to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.com. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. You know I'm happy that you're here. So I hope as you listen to the show, I get it, right? That word sales sometimes throws us into a tailspin, especially if sales is a component of our job and maybe not full-time doing sales. So to help you on your journey of changing your sales game, I have a free gift. It's my communication style assessment. You will get two reports. One will spotlight just your natural superpowers and how people actually hear or receive your messages. The flip side, you have a lowest score, which is typically a blind spot and typically those that do not communicate like you probably more impactful to be mindful of that blind spot. So again, you'll get those two reports. The link is in the show notes, my gift to you. And I truly hope it helps you on your journey of changing your game, your sales game. Now, my quote today to set the stage for our conversation is by Robert Collier. And Robert says, success is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. Now, after finding this quote for today, I really began to reflect on what have been the small efforts that created the success in my business and basically my life, you know, for the past 40 years, whether intentional or intuitive. When I started my business and I sat down, I had no idea of how I was going to teach others how to be successful at sales. And more importantly, successful by selling through. For me, it's always been about selling through love, care and respect. Now, do you know what I discovered? All of the small little habits that I had developed over my career, 20 years in corporate, have translated now in the past 20 years of my business, and it created this very logical path to success. Who knew? So that was a pretty cool revelation and ultimately created my seven-step signature uh, class and ultimately my number one international best-selling book. Now, keeping things simple and I think has been the most important component for me. Simple works, too complicated. We kind of fall off the wagon. My guest, I think, believe, I believe feels the same way. So who is this amazing guest I have today? You ask his name is Jeff Goldberg. Now, Jeff is the head coach and lead sales trainer at JGNA, where they've dedicated, uh, they're dedicated to helping individuals and organizations attain measurable and sustainable sales increase, increases. He's an award-winning sales professional with almost five decades of sales. He is my peer, uh, sales management training and coaching experience. Now, Jeff is also a stand-up comedian and the co-author of two books, Leverage Your Laziness and How to Be Your Own Coach. He delivers powerful, high-energy program and speeches that draw on his years of experience, as well as his uh, theater performing and stand-up comedy uh, performance background. His clients include the amazing uh, places like State Farm, Um, Aramark, Siemens, Newsday, Cisco, Citibank, Cablevision, and others representing nearly every commercial um, and in in industry, can't talk today, Jeff, and industrial, industrial category. Holy smokeroonies. Please help me welcome Jeff to the show. So Jeff, thanks for being on. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Connie. Now now that we're out of time after I wrote that introduction, sorry. (laughs) Next time I'll write a shorter one. It's so cute because I, I, you know, sometimes I try to edit, but I was like, oh, that's important. And then your comedy and the stand up, I'm like, that's important, right? That improv with sales, I think is important. And then your clients, it was important. So yes, it's okay. We still have plenty of time to chat, but that last line really threw me there. So that Connie, you even get right. I even get uh, tongue tied, uh, Jeff. It's the best of us. 
I got it. And I left out the part that I'm a proud father of three kids and I live with a crazy pug. You, oh, no. (laughs) Is the pug crazy or the three kids crazy? The three kids are pretty crazy too, but it's the pug who's out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. You're a hoot and a half. All right, first (laughs) question. So let's hear your story. How did you get into sales? Oh, boy. Um, I was going to college. I, I went to Baruch College in New York City, which is in an office building on 23rd Street. In fact, we used to call it UCLA, the university on the corner of Lexington Avenue. Uh, I, I thought that I wanted to uh, become an accountant because I did well in accounting in high school. And my counselor said, you should be an accountant. Since I had no direction, I said, OK, let's go to an accounting school. And that's what I did. Turned out I am definitely not the accountant type. Uh, I used to only go to my marketing class, my psychology class, because those were the only two that interested me. And I got a part time job a block away at a furniture store doing customer service and things like that. And on a Saturday once, the one of the salespeople called in sick and we got very busy. And the owner came to me and said, Jeff, go sell those people. Um, I looked at him and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm the customer service guy. I do ordering and customer service and all kinds of stuff like that. I don't know how to sell. He handed me a pen and a legal pad. <laughs> said, follow these people around the showroom. And he went like this, kind of smile a lot, come back and tell me what they're interested in. I'll give you the pricing and that's selling. Now I have to back up and tell you that my father, my stepfather, and both grandfathers were career salespeople and none of them ever made a living. And I swore I would never, ever go into sales. And 48 years later, I'm not only still selling, but teaching others how to sell. I love it. I love it. Isn't that funny? It, when we're thrust into something, it's like sink or swim. And and really, really, if you know, you had a brain and you thought, well, how hard could this be to talk to people, follow them around, see what they like, write down the model numbers, and then I have to go and get a price, right? It, it is kind of simple. And you engage, right? You probably did a little bit of chit chat because you're a friendly guy. So it probably was more natural. But you know, when we're kids, we think, I can't do that. What are you, nuts? I just figured he must know what he's talking about. So I gave it a shot. But what really changed it for me, Connie, was I went to work later on at Encyclopedia Britannica. And for those of your audience who are too young, those were actual books, uh, reference books that, you know, kids could go to the library and use for free, but people would buy them so they could have them in the home and give their kids an advantage. And Britannica had an incredible sales training program. And that's really where I learned how to sell at least the first time. Then I, I, I saw, as opposed to so many people, that this was a career where a college dropout, because I did not finish college, could make a substantial amount of money if he could just figure out how to do it right. And so I started reading every book and going to every seminar, and I became a student of sales. And that's, I think, one of the failings of many salespeople. They don't treat it like a career. I just like, Scott, I got to talk to people. Well, yes, that's kind of it, but there's a little bit more if you want to be good. It's so interesting um, because, and I think you and I spoke when I started my career, I had no idea I was good in sales. And someone else said to me, you're applying for that job, aren't you? And my reaction was similar, like, huh, I don't know anything about sales. And they, what if you think you've been doing? You've been teaching us. It was through car dealerships. I was the credit end of it, right? Finance person. I like looking at numbers. And so I just taught them how to look at those numbers and then how to communicate more effectively with the client, right? With the opportunity that they could present. So who knew? Here's the thing, though. It was similar because I had no idea I was good in sales and the regional uh, or these people saw that I had something right uh, unbeknownst to me. And I just want to comment one other thing that you became a student of sales. 
I ultimately went to Prudential for my quote unquote for first sales job. And the training was was pretty bad, actually. So you were kind of lucky to get that good sales training. But for me, it was intuitive to understand people. So I started doing a lot of research on the psychology of sales and and read Zig Ziglar, everything he wrote, right? Because he was a master businessman and salesperson. So like you, I became a student. And, and again, it was intuitive for me. Was it intuitive for you? Um, I, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I had a lot of the qualities that tend to make somebody more likely to succeed in sales. And it doesn't mean if you don't have those qualities that you can't succeed, you can, but you know, I'm outgoing, I'm personable, I'm articulate, I'm funny, I'm honest. I had some of the qualities naturally. And and I actually want to back up. I don't know that that Britannica had the best sales training, but they had the best training for how to sell Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm. Uh, and, And like you said, they recognized something in me that I didn't recognize in myself. They very quickly, uh, put me into manager training and I learned the art of being a sales manager. So like you, somebody recognized something in me that I had no idea was there. So uh, that really helped my career. This is important, Jeff, for it to have happened to both of us. I challenge everybody listening, really listen when people compliment you or say, you know, I was thinking about you, maybe you should try this. And our instinct is, Oh no, I can't do that. Right. That, that negative record player that's that screams at us at times really listen to that person and say, and maybe ask a question back, something like, why do you see that in me? Or what do you, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing and explore that because it can, it can literally change the trajectory of your career or life. But I think oftentimes we poo poo it, right? We kind of discount it. Like, what do they know? What, what are they seeing that you might be too close to seeing in yourself? So it's just odd that you, you and I both had that experience. How many times is that happening to the people listening to the show and maybe not just tapping in or cluing into that? Yeah. Well, what, what you just said is much smarter than what I did. You know, you actually saying question it. What did you see in me and things like that? I didn't. I just trusted that somebody else knows what they're talking about because I had no direction whatsoever. In fact, I'll tell you this. Um, I very quickly became one of the top salespeople in the country out of 2,500 only because I listened to exactly what they taught me and did exactly that. But after two months, my manager came to me and said, we're going to Chicago for a manager's meeting. There was 250 managers from across the country and they're all getting in sh- together in Chicago for three days of meetings. And I said, why are you taking me? I'm not a manager. He goes, you're going to be one day. Anyways, here's the point of the story. I'm at a cocktail party the first evening and I'm talking to this very tall statuesque lady look, like she really knew what she was talking about. We've got people from all over the country there. You know, we're chit-chatting over cocktails. And I said, oh, so uh, my name is Jeff. What's yours? She's Pat. I said, Pat. Actually, she had a name tag on, Pat Weir. Uh, And um, I said, hey, Pat, which office do you work out of? And she looked at me a little funny. She goes, Jeff, I work here in the home office. I said, oh, uh, gotcha. What do you do for the company? And she said, Jeff, I'm the president of Encyclopedia Britannica. That's exactly what I did. And I went, oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. I should have known your name. And she said, young man, because I was a young man back then. She said, it doesn't matter that you didn't know my name. I know your name. And that's all that matters. And Amen. she kind of guided me a little bit. Uh, I actually asked her to be my mentor. Uh, and she, she said she didn't have the time. But she kind of guided me step by step through my career. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. It was great training and really set me in motion for a successful career in sales. 
And uh, that was very kind of her, even though she didn't mentor you directly. See, she saw something. She knew your name. Your numbers were good. And now she's meeting this young person thinking, you know, we we, we could get mileage out of you. She was smart. She, that's why she was the president of the yes, organization. Indeed. Very smart lady. Smart cookie. Yeah. How did you shift from the sales to the sales training? Like at what point in your career did you feel like, man, this is really what I should be doing? Ah, perfect. So um, I had sold a lot of different things over the years, just with drifted from one job to another, one management job to another. And eventually I opened up a recruiting firm. I went to work for a recruiting firm and the deal was I was going to manage their sales team uh, after a year and that didn't come through. So I left and I opened up my own recruiting firm. Uh, the boss wasn't happy about that. He said, you've signed a, non, a, a, a non-compete. But I said, I know I also have a contract that says as of two weeks ago, I'm your manager. You didn't do that. So it's one or the other. So I left and opened up my own recruiting firm. And I did that for four years. And uh, in the bottom of uh, the 2001 drop on the economy, um, when recruiters were dropping to $2,000 flat fees, $1,500 flat flat fees. I was still charging 25 and 30% and was really starving because the market wasn't going to be able to bear it anymore. So I finally listened to my wife, now ex-wife, who had been begging me, go get a real job. And I answered a blind ad in the New York Times, which turned out to be for a a large, at the time, well-known sales training company. And it was just such a revelation. It was the job I'd been meant to do all my life. Because I don't say this to be altruistic, but I truly love helping people. I really do. Don't get me wrong. I like getting paid for helping people. But I love helping people and I do it all the time for free too. Um, and sales is the thing I know best, sales and sales management. So I went to work for this company, found I was really, really good at it. And after a very short time, I went to my wife, now ex-wife and said, honey, I'm going to make us rich. I'm going to close the, I'm going to leave this company and open up a sales training company. She had been badly burned though by the, you know, me sticking around too long in the headhunting firm. Well, well longer than I should have. And she said, well, you can up, open up another company, but you're going to be married to somebody else. And the day she she signed the divorce papers was the day I opened my company. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And it's funny. um, I know when we spoke uh, the first time, I felt like we lived parallel lives with with so many pieces of our our career. And it was the same thing. I was working for a corporate job and uh, they approached me to become the regional sales manager um, because I was just really good in the sales piece of it. I was a financial advisor, number one in the company, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, uh, I don't know anything about training. And they said, yeah, but you, and here's the irony. I was, I was training, it was a bank. I was training all the personnel within the branches to identify the opportunities and then what to say. And I would role play with them and play. And I would say, try saying this or saying this or ask this question. So I was training them all along. And that's why I was getting so many referrals. And then for me to make the sale ultimately, right, to be reputable because they were putting their reputation on the line by referring to me, you know, back in the eighties when alternative investments were a very new thing. And it was very fear driven by these branches, but they trusted me. They referred to me because I trained them. And then I became a regional sales manager within that organization. The same thing. They saw in me something I didn't. And when I, when I got that job for me, cause I'm competitive, how do I get my region now? Not just me, but my region to come in as, as the number one uh, region for the bank out of five regions. And it, when I trained, I coached 
I had meetings. We constantly talk about sales. How can we have better conversations? What does the client really need? Let's customize those solutions. It's about engagement, right? Don't, it's not about pushing a product and all of that education, right? It found me. And then when I got downsized, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, open my business to do training. So these very parallel things um, are happening. Again, I challenge the listeners. What are you being told you're good at? attention because it could be the next thing that you should be doing in your life. Absolutely. Uh, You you mentioned something early. Would you mind if I come back to it? Because I think it's so important. You were talking about small habits at the beginning. Could not agree more. We build on small habits. And I think one of the most important habits that salespeople can build is daily prospecting. Every single day, making sure that you're reaching out to new prospects. I don't know about in in, in your uh, uh, your consultancy, but whether it's coaching clients or training clients, the number one problem I see in every organization with every person that comes to me is they're just not seeing enough prospects. And you know, we could take all our combined years of experience and sales excellence, but neither of us were together. We're not good enough to sell anybody anything that they don't want, don't need, or right. can't afford. And I don't think we would want to, nope. but it's that daily outreach to new prospects so that there's always something coming in at the top of the funnel, because we both know, and I, I'm sure your audience does too, not everything turns into a sale. So we constantly, that's a, that's a small habit. If, if I could teach people anything, that would be a prospect consistently and effectively every single day. And the other piece of it, if I can add to that is, and then follow up. <laughs> Because people don't hear from us once and go, oh, Jeff, I love you. Where have you been my whole life? I need to hire you tomorrow. It just doesn't work that way. People have to get to know us. They have to learn to trust us, right? They kind of vet us out before they really want to jump in bed, you know, so to speak, to be able to hire us or or say, hey, I think you're exactly what I've been looking for. So I I agree. We have to meet and, and greet and talk, share what you do with people. Ask, be curious what people do, prospecting all the time, and then make sure you follow up on the ones that you really feel that you can help, right? We don't yeah. want to push the square peg in the round hole. That's the ick factor for me, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. No, it, but it's but constantly running campaigns that will eventually get people to recognize your name because it depends on which report you read these days. And I'm, I'm sure that like me, you read them all. It, it takes somewhere between nine and 18 touches before yeah. somebody, you know, you, some say 16 to 18, some, it's somewhere in there, but it's not like you said, it's not that first outreach and people go, I got to have Connie, I got to have Jeff. Occasionally we all luck out, but it's really that repeated, how do I get my name in front of people? How do I, this is to me, the essence of it. How do I provide them with enough value that they want to reach out to me? That's right. I I like when people pick up the phone or send me an email or, uh, or reach out through LinkedIn or whatever and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about coaching or training or whatever it is. Uh, that's way, way more, way easier than me having to reach out to people and say, hey, need any sales training today? Yeah, it, it, it's funny. And, and I think I know you're active on LinkedIn um, as well. And the podcast for me, you know, I have two podcasts that I, I do show. I do two shows every week. And somebody on LinkedIn just reached out and said, oh, my God, I'm loving your show. Like you're it's like I'm talking to this person. And he said, can you give me a little bit more information? And now we're in a dialogue. So, again, you know, is anything going to come from it? Who the heck knows? But by being real, being you, letting people understand what you're about and the depth of your knowledge, it's not only about what we know. Right, Jeff? It's really how we make people feel that old quote is, is I think spot on because people remember how we make them feel and that's how we build trust and, and all of the other pieces of the puzzle. All right. I got the big question, the AI, what 
let, let's it's in hyperspeed right now, right? Do you think AI is going to replace salespeople? I'm curious as to your take on this one. Yeah, I, I, I've been asked this question a bunch of times already, and here's my answer. Uh, maybe eventually, but no time soon. Um, sales is still, I, I think AI is great. I, I love ChatGPT and all the rest, and I'm using them actively, and I'm actually in the process of putting together a program for salespeople because we all need to know how to use it. But to me, something to keep in mind is that in selling almost for 50 years, many things have changed. The internet certainly made a huge shift in, in selling. Uh, uh, people can get competitive information at the drop of a hat. Uh, we have to be responsive. Uh, so, so that made a difference. And certainly other things have changed, you know, social mores and stuff like that. But to me, the, the one thing that hasn't changed for sure is that people still buy from people that they like and trust. And you can't like and trust a robot. Not, I'm not, not making fun of ChatGPT or any AI. I think it's a useful tool, but it can't create that relationship. It's like I use it to write things, but I always go after it and put in my own touch because it is a robot pulling stuff off the Internet from other people and combining it, it together. Now, I just this morning was working with a friend of mine who we're, gonna, we're putting together a webinar. And we wrote up some copy. Then we fed it into ChatGPT and said, how do you make this the most attractive to a potential webinar audience? And I'd say about 30% of what it came up with was a real improvement. And we're going to use those phrases. But the other part of it was like, that sounds like a robot. And people don't do business with robots. In fact, the comedian and me can't resist saying, you know, we spend most of our day trying to convince robots that we're not robots. It's true. You know, check off this box, put in these letters that you can't even read, you know, stuff like that. How many of these squares have a traffic light in them? We're proving to them that we're not robots. So I don't think we're going to be getting rid of salespeople anytime soon, eventually. And who knows? Who knows? We're going to have self-driving cars. And now that I just saw that they they uh, gave a a license to a car that can fly. So stuff's changing. I still think we need salespeople, at least for the foreseeable future. You know, it's so interesting, right, that you said things have changed. And I've been in sales 40 years, you're a little bit uh, longer than I, right? But things have changed, and yet they haven't. And it goes back to exactly what you said. It really is about the relationship. And it, you know, when, when COVID hit, Jeff, you know, everything stopped, right? I had done everything live. I didn't have anything digitized. I didn't even know what digitized meant. Uh, Yeah. Same thing. And then you, we pivoted hard, right? Like, like you, I think I did the same. We pivoted hard and I hired a coach who was an expert in the digital stuff. And I had the pieces of the puzzle. None of them were working together, right? So you hire a coach. What, what am I missing? I have blind spots like everybody else. And every time we'd have a conversation, I would say, oh, so you're saying blah, 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 whatever it is. And he's like, yeah, exactly. I go, oh, yeah, okay, I've been doing that for 40 years. And then he'd say something else. And I'd say, oh, you mean like follow up? And he's like, well, yeah. And and I said, oh, okay, so I should do ABC, like the things. Yeah, 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 that would be really good. I go, okay, I've been doing that for 40 years. So he kept laughing and he like, it was almost like, well, why'd you hire me? And because I didn't know the digital stuff, I knew how to sell. I knew how to create a business, right? I had been in business 20 years by the time COVID hit. So you're not a novice on things, but we think, and I don't know if you had this experience. I thought, I don't know anything. Like everything changed. I know nothing. And really not much changed at the same time. So I don't know. Did that just make sense? What I said? It made perfect sense. And I I don't know if I was ever... Thinking, I don't know anything, but but certainly 
I'm a little lost and I'm yeah. a huge fan of what you did. I, I think everybody needs a coach. You know, we're coaches, but everybody needs a coach. Sometimes you just need somebody to say something back to you that you already know is true because when you hear it from somebody else, it makes more sense. We tend to not trust ourselves. Yeah. Now, here's my, I don't want to get too metaphysical, but I believe we are all plugged in to a universal consciousness, call it God or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, but there's something we're all plugged into. And I believe we always know the right thing to do, but because we don't trust ourselves, how could I know that, you know, stupid me, you know, there's that negative self-talk. How could I know that? Except we do. We, we, I think we, one of the ways that we can improve in just about anything is to learn to trust ourselves that we can do just about anything if we're committed and willing to pay the price. That's where I find a lot of clients and people in general are missing the boat. Uh, I've taught my, I have three young kids and, and I, I continue to teach them. They're not that young anymore, 22 and 21 in another month. Um, there's a price to pay for everything. You want to be great at sports? You got to work hard. You want to have a great body? You got to eat right and work out. You want to be great at sales? Pay the price. Go, go read a book, go to a seminar, hire a coach like you. There are things that you can do. So uh, I think most people just, they're not willing to, to do the work. I don't want to, by the way. I don't want to. I want my life to be easy. I, I would prefer to to have been born to a wealthy family and be a spoiled rich kid. Not not really. I don't want to be a spoiled kid, but uh, you know, I, I, at, at this age, it's it's the only thing that's gotten me here is hard work, hard and smart, and being willing to pay the price. And that's the important piece. It's it, we should work hard, but you have to work smart. I see too many times with my they're running and running and running and running. It's like whoa, 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 breathe, man. Let's figure out what are the, the most important steps. That's what you really, you know, double down on and all the other minutiae stuff that we typically like to do because it's easier, right? It's, it's more comfortable. Perhaps it's not, you know, challenging our comfort zone. So we spend 80% doing stuff that isn't making us the money and the 20% of our time, the 80, 20 rule, right? It, it's alive and well in everything we do. That 20% of our time is reduced, re, re, uh, is creating the 80% of our success, wealth, whatever it might be. But I agree. We have to, it's, this is my craft. This is my life. This is, this is what I meant to do, right? I believe that in my soul. And the other piece of the puzzle, I think with sales, you have to serve first. You have to look at the person in front of you right here, right now. How can I help them? And sometimes it's not me. It's introducing Jeff to them or another colleague to them. Maybe they need really more help with the marketing end of it on their website versus the sales conversation and sales behaviors. You have to be honest with people, I think, up front. And then what happens? Everything catapults from there and explodes, right? It becomes this like onion, you know, the 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 restaurants, the blooming onion, I think they call like it, the onion explodes. That's what we want to create. Yeah, I love what you just said. Uh, so many times, so many times when I'm coaching salespeople, I'll have them uh, track everything they do for a week. What did you do and how much time did it take? And the instruction is be very honest. This is not about me judging you. Let's just see where your time goes. And the vast majority of salespeople are focusing the vast majority of their time on what I call non-RGAs, revenue generating activities. Mm -hmm. um, I'm constantly asking myself. In fact, I have a sign that hangs right behind where my camera is so I can look up at it constantly. And the sign says, am I doing the thing at this moment that's most likely to result in income? And because I see it all day long, I'm constantly asking myself that question. And I'd be lying if I told you the answer is always yes. Sometimes the answer is no, I need to get back to doing something to make some money because you know all this other stuff 
isn't making me any money, isn't getting me any closer to making money. And uh, you, you mentioned that I co-authored two books. One of them is called Leverage Your Laziness. And the essence of it is what you just said. You and I, everybody, we should be focusing on the things that we're good at and enjoy doing. And then, of course, produce revenue and find somebody else to do the stuff that we don't like doing or aren't good at. Because we need to be focusing our gifts where they're best invested rather than wasting time doing stuff. Like, is it a good investment for you and I to do bookkeeping? No. I don't know what you charge an hour, but I know I'm not cheap. My time is much better spent paying somebody $100 an hour to do my bookkeeping because I can make $500 an hour doing coaching during the hour that, that he or she is doing my books. So we waste way too much time on stuff that's not going to put any money in our pockets. And I, I cannot resist coming back to what you just said. because Again, I so agree with it. Not shocking. Uh, and, and Zig Ziglar, who you mentioned, was a big fan of this. You got to come from serving first. It's all about how can I serve you? I, 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 since you quoted Zig, I'm sure uh, Zig, I'm sure you know that Zig used to get up on stage and say, "Sell" comes from the Swedish word "selja," S-E-L-J-E, which means to serve. Now, the first time I heard him say that, I went home and looked it up. It does not mean that. It does not translate to to, to serve. But I love the thought of it because sales really should be the come from should be. How can I best help you? And if I can't help you, you won't have to tell me. I'll tell you and I'll introduce you to somebody else. So let's have a conversation and see where I might be able to help. And if I can't, let's shake hands and be friends. And, you, you know, the irony of that, and, and this is how, and I, I, I would bet that you, you have had the same reaction when I've done that with people where I'm like, whoa, I'm too expensive or you're too small or I'm, I'm just not, I can't help you with that particular thing, but I have a friend because like you, we're always networking, right? That's the prospecting piece because you never know who you're going to meet that could be a client or could send you a client or could send us a client down the road, right? So prospect, prospect, prospect. And it's funny because when I, whenever I do that, that person that I handed off to someone else, I'll get two referrals, one from the person I handed off. Cause I go, you know, I wasn't right, but my friend is looking for exactly what you do. And the person I referred or I brought in for marketing or whatever the other pieces will now look even harder for me to bring me a client. That's an ideal client for me that I can serve. So you get two for the one but just and here's here's I don't do it for that to say, oh, now I'm going to get two referrals that never even hits my radar. It's this is just the right thing to do. And then remarkable things on the back end of that. Bingo. Uh, uh, so I've taught my kids many lessons over the years. And here's one more. I've taught them the acronym ADTRT, which stands for always do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the right thing is saying I'm not right for you. Yeah. You're not right for me. I'm not whatever the reason is. You know, I don't put it on other people. You know, you're not right. I'm too expensive or anything like that. And so, look, I've been in that situation where people say, I'd love to, I can't afford it, which of course is the exact reason why they should be investing. But but it's about doing the right thing because I believe that it always comes back to you. If I give you a referral, you may never refer me, Connie, but somehow the universe is going to pay me back. I know it for a fact. So I'm, I'm always happy to help. And I always come from service. And, you know, the first chapter of my book is called Love. And people laughed at that when I first did it. And then when they read it, they were like, oh, that made so much sense. And I always the first thing I say when when I speak or whatever, if you're not selling from love, care and respect, you're really doing it wrong. So just pause, stop 
and say, hmm, what is she talking about? And then, you know, go down the rabbit hole, whether it resonates with you or not. But that's why, you know, so many salespeople, we salespeople get a bad, bad rap because the ick of years ago of the, you know, the snake oil salesman and the sleazy guy trying to, you know, get you to take your, your money out of your wallet and you buy nothing, right? It breaks three seconds later. Um, we, that's not what we're talking about. To really serve, um, you do have to come from love, care, and respect. I, I 100%. Think. And it's not just from years ago. Uh, you know, I have a, a sales group on Facebook with about yes. 1,200, 1,300 members. And yes. when I was investigating, you know, putting that together, I, you know, of course, looked for other sales organizations on Facebook. And I, every single one I found, seem to be the same. A bunch of guys bragging about how much, how many deals they closed, how much money they made, what kind of car they were driving. There was a real macho, tough guy attitude. I'm better than you. And I'm looking at this. I'm going, all right, guys, I, I got a heck of a lot of experience. I'm really good at this, but I'm not here to play this game. My car is better than your car. Your house is bigger than my house. I closed this deal. You closed that. That's not what I'm about. I'm here to serve. I actually formed my Facebook group to elevate the profession of sales because so many times we do have a bad reputation and you and I uh, aren't, aren't that way, but there are still people like that snake oil salespeople uh, trying to do whatever they can to be the biggest and the best. Here's another example. And I don't know this guy personally, and I'm not going to mention his name, but I keep hearing his commercials on the radio. Hi, I'm blank, blank, the world's number one sales trainer. And I can tell you how to close in any business. It's, it's one of those come ons. And I'm like, first of all, how do you know that you're the world's number one sales trainer? I, I, I'm not saying I'm the best sales trainer in the world, but what makes you better than me? Do you close more business? Do you serve more people? What is, I, I hate that macho BS. Cause to me, my definition of selling is this sales is not about convincing or persuading or talking people into things. That's what people think it's about, but it's not. Sales is simply a conversation or a series of conversations leading to help the other person choose to do business with you. It's not because you or I are talking anybody into anything. They come to the conclusion, oh, I need Connie in my life. I need some more Jeff in my life. I need his training program. I need the coaching, whatever it is. But we don't talk anybody into anything. It's just a conversation. It's kind of like dating. Am I talking into a woman into going out with me? No, she has a conversation and sees something and says, okay, I'll go out with them. Do I like them enough to go out with them again? Do I like them enough to close the deal? Sales and dating are very similar. <laughs> if you're doing it right. If you're doing it. <laughs> that is true. It's like the old saying, you go know, to a bar, you see a pretty girl or, or a handsome guy and you go, you want to marry me? That's that's the pushy salesperson. And they, they do that a hundred times. It may be one person is desperate enough to say, sure, I'll marry you. And they made the sale, right? It's the, Again, it's just the ick factor. This is um, why I love talking to you, Connie, because I use a very similar example all the time. The reason I use it is because of LinkedIn. Now, I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. I consider it the salesperson's best friend. 30% of my business comes from LinkedIn. But here's what I hate, the people who use it wrong. And that sounds like this. So you seem like a good prospect to me. I reach out to connect you. Hey, Connie, let's connect. You accept my connection. I now get an email from LinkedIn saying, Connie accepted my request, uh, my connection request. And I immediately DM you saying, Connie, I'd like to talk to you about how I help coaches like you increase their sales, get more prospects, blah, 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 blah. And I equate that to exactly what you just said. Me walking into a bar, going up to a woman and saying, hey, want to come back to my place? No drinks, no talk, no dates. Just want to come back to my place. Now, if I look like Brad Pitt, maybe. Or if it's 4 a.m. and she's had enough beers, maybe. But 
it'll probably work better if I at least introduce myself, have a conversation, buy a drink, and more likely go out on a few dates. You have to court people. So yeah. that, that let me hit you in the nose with, here's what I do. Will you, would you like to buy? That's crazy. Yeah. I think the funny. only people who are making money with that are the people selling the course that says that's what you should be doing. The other thing, too, I was going to say when you were saying your Facebook group, which by everyone, um, Jeff wants everybody to join the Facebook group. Uh, Again, it's not about selling. It's about sharing ideas and just getting feedback. If you have a question, I'm going to put that link in the uh, show notes. I really do recommend everybody join another free resource. And again, you get Jeff kind of at the helm, but he's attracting people like me, like you that that are listening, right? That are very heart centered and understand good business, um, if you will. So I am going to put that in the link. The other thing, and then then I'll give your other credentials so people can find you, Jeff. I just want to comment on one last thing that you said before you were talking about whoever that person was. They said they self-proclaimed number one or best sales trainer out there. They're selling the lifestyle and they're making money on the hype not on really helping you. And that's why I don't buy into, nobody needs to know what car I drive or what kind of house I live in. It it doesn't matter. It's insignificant. It's, can I help you in your situation, move the needle? So we're, we're, I find that people in sales sell the lifestyle. They have pictures in front of their house and their Ferraris and all of this. And to me, buyer beware, that's, that's a lot of flash but what's really the meat of what they're going to do for you. Yeah. They made money off the flash um, of selling the lifestyle, but are they going to help you move the needle on your skill development? So just really be, be mindful of that. Um, and if you want to comment one last thing before I give your uh, creden- credentials, your contact information. Sure. Uh, you know, I would not want to work with a trainer or a coach or, or, or like, when my ex-wife and I went to look for pediatricians for when our first baby was going to be born, the very first one we met was grossly overweight and smoked cigarettes. And we walked out and we said, we looked at each other and said, why would we go to a doctor that's not healthy? So I wouldn't want to use a sales trainer or a sales coach that wasn't successful, but do I need to be showing you my $3 million mansion and my Ferraris and my boats and stuff? Not that I have any of those things. I, I live in a modest beach house and drive a nice car, but it, 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 that's not what it's about. And yeah. to make silly claims, hey, I'm the world's number one sales trainer. By the way, this guy is brilliant in that he's not actually selling anything. He says, contact me for a free 30-minute video. Uh, So what he's doing is collecting your name so he can now market to you and sell you. But that hype is just unnecessary. It's unnecessary to sell sales training. It's unnecessary to sell anything. Learn how to have better conversations. You'll be a better salesperson. Just be real. Yeah, just be real, right, Jeff? We're real, man. We're flawed and cool, and our flaws make us even cooler, right? (laughs) I'm not sure how cool I am, but I'm definitely flawed. I know I say that to my husband all the time. Boy, I'm pretty cool. He goes, when you have to say it, it means you're not, you know. So yeah, I get it. Everyone, I think you need more Jeff in your life. So please reach out. If you have any questions after listening to today's show, his email is jeff at jgsalespro.com, website jgsalespro.com. And also um, there's a free video. It's a very short video, really, really good on campaigns, right, Jeff? 
Yep. How to put it together an email, well, a campaign, a prospecting campaign. A prospecting camp. Cause again, it's all, it, it really does start with the prospecting and then what you do with it from there, the follow up engagement, all the things we talked about today. And I will also put the Facebook group link. So I highly recommend that you uh, connect and join that as well. Even if you want to kind of be a looky loo initially to get to know, know Jeff and his community, it's not a bad thing to do. So again, I'm going to put all four of those links in the show notes so you you could find Jeff, whatever works uh, for you. Jeff, thank you again. Always fun, fast. Um, I think we covered a lot. I hope everybody, if you if you didn't catch it all, because Jeff and I both speak fast, we're both East Coasters. So, uh, you know, welcome to our world, the New York, New Jersey area, right? Uh, but really, really go back, listen to the show, grab a pen and paper and take those quick tips down. Um, again, links are in the show notes for you. And Jeff, fabulous as always. Thanks. It was so good seeing you. Thank you, Connie. Great to be here. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, a pleasure. I I like hanging out with you. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together. No matter where you are on your journey of changing your sales game, I truly hope my guests and I provide some ideas, strategies, thought, maybe just a thought-provoking for you to go in and and kind of internalize what we're talking about and then reflect upon it after. Information's a beautiful thing. If you do nothing with it, it's simply that information. Put it into action. Jeff and I promise you that action creates reaction and that's where the magic happens. So again, take a tip or two, idea, percolate on it and apply it and report back because we're excited to hear um, how you make out. Thank you uh, for, thank you, Jeff. Thank you all for listening to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman on webtalkradio.com. I truly wish you an inspired week filled with changing your sales game so you become more authentic, more genuine, and just make more money so that we could get out there and serve bigger to the world. I love you all. Thank you for for tuning in. Thank you for allowing me to guide you on your journey of changing your sales game. And I will see you next week. Have a great one. Thanks, everybody. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.